we're away. Nice. Set the next camera to record. This is incredibly confusing. Now then, team, welcome to our Wednesday call. I'm very excited about this evening's call because this is actually marking a little bit of a uh, new adventure, I guess, that I'm taking as well. And it's a little bit out there, but it plays to some real, real interests of mine in, in the past. So I have um, joined a mentorship from a Shaolin Grandmaster who operates a Shaolin temple in Germany, obviously. And he does a mentorship for a year. And then it culminates in basically, you know, two weeks to a month that you can go and live in a in a, in a temple, Shaolin temple in Germany, uh, which is very, very cool. And we started this mentorship and it's incredibly awesome because it's all about understanding. Yes, you can do like Kung Fu and martial arts and stuff like that, which is great. But it's the self mastery side of it, which I find particularly attractive. And that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm diving into it, because it, it just unlocks an entire different side that, quite frankly, I've chinned off a lot in my past for understanding oneself a little bit more and spending some more time inside the mind, etc. Trying to come at something from a new perspective, because coaches, we coaches, we don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything. I certainly don't have all the answers. I never will. But if life is a continuous journey of self-education and self-development, that it's a damn good life to live. So what you're going to get this evening, team, is a bit of an introduction to some of the stuff that I've read about before, because I think, well, what better way to start off than A, forcing me to refresh my knowledge on it, but also the best way to pass, uh, sorry, to have knowledge stick into your brain is to then pass it on to other people. And this is a great thing to do with any of the fitness stuff that you learn and the nutrition stuff you learn and the mindset stuff you learn. Passing that on to other people, not only A, helps those people, but B, it helps you settle that in your own language, in your own mannerisms, in your head, so that you then remember that knowledge even more. So we're going to go ahead and share screen, and I'm hoping to not embarrass myself straight away, but I'm going to click share. I'm going to move my face out of the way over there. Let's see if we can click present, and let's see if we can go on to full screen. Standby team. We're in. We're away. Welcome. Team, there's a picture of a temple, so we must be doing um, monk stuff. This evening, we're going to talk about something called the Noble Eightfold Path, which is a complicated sounding thing. Um, but this is trying to apply something that is the basis of a lot of Chinese philosophy into your health and wellness journey. Bear with me here, team, because this is going to be an interesting journey. As I was putting this together, I just thought this plays more and more and more into your own journeys, into everything that you're going to be coming through. Because quite frankly, what we're doing here, this is... Hang on a minute. Screen sharing is paused. Stand by. Why is that paused? Sorry, team. Resume share. Whoops. Technical issue, team. Stand by. What's that doing? Sorry, team. It's saying that my screen sharing isn't working. Might have to stick on that. I don't think full screen works. Apologies about that. Um, okay, so we are going to be journeying through Noble Eightfold Path. The reason for this, team, is because I everything that we're going to go through is going to have a lot of similarities and a lot of things to play through when it comes to going through your everyday life. We're not turning you all into Shaolin monks. What we are doing is bringing a new perspective to everything that you're going to be experiencing through your life coming through. And this is going to be, this is going to be very, very good for you. So, um, sorry, that beeps just disrupted me. Okay. So, come on, Ben. What is the Noble Eightfold Path? Well, the Noble Eightfold Path is actually the... 
It's a grounding understanding of a journey of enlightenment under Buddhism. Okay, there's a bit of a mouthful for you. But think about, I'm going to list now what these what these noble eight principles are. And there's a lot of crossover to everything you're going to be going through in general in life. The right understanding, the right intention, the right speech, the right actions, the right livelihood, the right effort, the right mindfulness, and the right concentration. And as we're going to do this, we're going to go through each and every single one of these. And I want to apply these to your health, fitness and adventure journeys, because there is so much crossover here that I want to bring this new perspective to you, because we don't just what we're doing here isn't just training plans and getting you running. What we're doing here is developing you as people so that you have all the tools that you need to progress forward. Any single one of you can go on chat GPT now and type in running program. You're not here for that. You haven't invested in that. That's a good thing that you're getting, obviously, but you're here for a coaching element. Now, when it comes to coaching elements, it's my job to help you think outside the box. And it's my job to help you bring a new perspective to all the stuff that you're going through. Okay, so this is where we're going to go through understanding, intention, speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness and concentration. So strap in team. This is going to be big and my button doesn't work. So. There we go. So let's start off with what the right understanding is. Well, of course, we can think of the right understanding as having the baseline of knowledge. But also, I want you to feel, I want you to think about what the right understanding is around what it is that you're trying to do. And from what I have experienced, the right understanding gets broken down into three main factors that can throw you off the rail, as it were, and bring you off the path, which is understanding suffering, or I've put suffering and training, desire, and attachment and understanding each one of those and the two sides to each one of these swords right so we have suffering that's where we find development if we think of suffering as training it's discomfort it's putting you into an uncomfortable situation the more we can expand your comfort zone the more we can develop but of course there are elements of this that are going to serve us positively and elements that are going to serve us detrimentally Suffering and training isn't just about doing push-ups in the gym. This is also about the stresses that we have in our life. This is also about the people that we choose to spend our time with. This is also about the family things, the family dynamics. It's also to do with the stress in the household, the stress at work, everything else that influences you and your interior self, as it were, is technically an element of suffering or training. Now, when we're going through this and we're pushing our comfort zones, clearly this is very good. But understanding what the difference is between those that influence us positively and those that influence us detrimentally is a very important thing. Clearly, we understand that there are elements of stress, like we got caught up in traffic or we didn't quite agree with what someone said and we are reacting to that. Then clearly there's an element here that isn't going to be serving us particularly positively and is going to be working to our detriment. Now, we need to understand correctly the difference between those two things. And then it's all very good understanding them. We need to understand how then to deal with them. Now, if we look at desire, we're looking at the question of what do you truly want? And I posed this question to probably everybody here, actually, via email the other day. And I've definitely posed it to every single person here in our calls in the past. If not, it is definitely coming your way. Why are you here? What are you trying to achieve? Not necessarily why you are here in the world and going really, really big. Let's think about actually, what do you actually want? 
on a coaching journey? What are you trying to achieve? When we branch that out further and we understand that actually we're coming to coaching to answer this particular question or to become this kind of person or to find this type of feeling, then we can start to go a few layers deeper. Well, why is that? Why do I want to learn that thing? Why do I want to do that thing? Why do I want to have that feeling? Again, what is it that I'm trying to achieve here? How is it that I'm trying to live here? What's the difference? Because when you understand that fully, you dive deep into it. We're figuring out what makes you tick. And the more we can figure out what makes you tick, the more we can figure out what things to lean on and to push and dial in in order to keep you accountable and in order to keep you motivated and in order to keep you on the right path pushing forward. Because as every single person here knows, no coaching journey, no, no, forget coaching, no personal development journey is ever straightforward and easy. You're definitely going to have times where you think you're on cloud nine and you're definitely going to have times where you think you're nine feet under snow. And you're just struggling with everything and everything is going wrong. And you think, I'm just wasting my time and wasting everyone else's time. I am a failure. You will think both of those things. And when we understand what we truly want, we get the positive side of desire. But clearly, there is a damaging side to desire. And I think we can all imagine what these things are. You know, when things start to take control of us, when we start to maybe obsess over things to the point of detriment of other aspects of our life. Because you true what what it is that you truly want is going to have a place in the rest of your life, right? It's going to have a place in your family. It's going to have a place in your friends. It's going to have a place in your world. When desire gets too far down the line, when you have the damaging side of desire, that bit grows so much. It's a bit like Venom in Spider-Man and Venom, right? It's a bit like... It takes control. And when it takes control, it starts to push those other things out. This has happened to me in the past, and it's not a very nice place to be because you start alienating yourself from everybody. All the people who care about you, you push them away. All the things that you thought that you cared about, you think you don't care about, and you actively push them away yourself. This is the damaging side of desire. And this is where we need to understand, well, there's a relationship between desire, there's a relationship between suffering and training. And we need to find that right understanding for what it is that we truly desire to achieve, not only in our coaching journey, but also in our lives with everyone else around us. And then that links lovely into attachment. Goals are goals, right? You've all heard me say that goals aren't the important thing here. Achievement is not as good as becoming, right? So we need to understand that we need to make sure that the goals are not something that we get too attached to when we get too attached to our goals they become life-defining the london marathon isn't life-defining becoming the sort of person who can run the london marathon is and we need to understand the difference between those two things you know going out and doing the race or going out and doing the event that they can be affirming things life-affirming things to affirm to you that you are on the right path and and, and ensure that you are doing the right thing but they don't become the defining factor. There are too many people, and there are some people here actually as well, that put too much weight and emphasis into their attachment to their goals. We need to ensure that we can detach from those goals. If it's a race, what happens if the race is canceled? What happens if you have to drop out because of weather? What happens if something doesn't quite go your way? Does that mean that that thing that you're putting so much 
self-value, self-worth and determination into, does that mean that that's removing a bigger part of you than it should? Attachment to these goals can indeed be your worst enemy. An understanding of these goals and what they actually mean as, you know, aiming markers and um, affirmation points that you are indeed on the right path to doing what it is that you want to do. That level of attachment can become your best friend. But again, we need to understand that there are two sides to the coin in each of these three areas. Having the right understanding is taking a long, hard look at yourself and your thought processes and understanding, well, how do I think about discomfort, suffering, training? How do I think about my desire, what it is that I actually want to achieve? How do I think about my attachment to the things that are leading me to that desire? When we can look at these objectively and we can start to go, actually, do you know what? Maybe I'm being unrealistic in some of the goals that I'm trying to achieve, but I'm putting so much of my value into them that I'm setting my, my bar so high that when I can't achieve those goals, I feel like a complete failure. Maybe I'm desiring too much wealth and prosperity and things that I want to do to the detriment of everything else. Maybe I'm desiring too much fame, quote unquote, for doing many, many races and different things. But actually, that's 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 pushing me from my path, working detriment to me because I'm going away from my family. I'm going away from my friends. I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing. I'm I'm through this desire to not miss out on every single opportunity that comes to me. Actually, I'm not spending any time with myself actually i'm not doing all the admin that i need to be doing and it feels like my life is kind of leaving me behind this is where we need to rewind back in this particular example and go well actually what do you truly want do you want to be that person that jumps on every single opportunity ever because you're going to have a very busy life you know do you truly want that or do you want to be that sort of person who is ready to you know take on what that whatever the right adventure is for you whatever the right opportunity is for you not every single one of them is right. And you don't need to be someone who just limpets onto all of these different things. We need to really truly understand what that true desire is. And the relatively more simple one is our understanding of suffering and training, our understanding of discomfort. You know what feels uncomfortable. You know what feels comfort comfortable. You know where your comfort zone is. You know where your happy places is. You know how it feels to do a tough workout because you've probably done one since we've been together. And you know how it feels after you've done that tough workout. So when we can when we can temper our understanding of suffering, training, and conditioning and discomfort with the knowledge of understanding what differentiates between serving us positively and what differentiates between serving us detrimentally, we can then start to balance our approach to training. What's an example of serving us detrimentally? Training too much, training too hard all the time, trying to just fit things in for the sake of fitting things in, not following training plans, not trusting the process. Maybe thinking that we've just got to, we've just got to work harder. We've just got to do more. I wrote the book on doing more and working harder and putting yourself into an overtraining situation. It's not a pleasant place to be, folks, because I had no understanding of the right level of suffering, training, conditioning, and discomfort. And the thing with that is you can outsource that to me and you can outsource that to Claire, because that's what we're here to do, not to make you suffer, but 
to bring you out of that comfort zone. But only you can make the choice. You know, we can write it on a piece of paper and we can lead you to water, but you're the only person who can do the thing and drink the thing, right? So it's understanding how you interpret these three areas, which is a very, very important thing. So number one on the Eightfold Path, the right understanding. This is the area that you can action right now first. I want you to write that down. What is my understanding of discomfort, of conditioning, of suffering, of training, of pushing my comfort zone? What is my understanding of my desire? What it is that I actually truly want? Don't give me the Instagram answers. Give yourself the true answers. What is my understanding of my attachment to my goals? Am I trying to achieve the thing to massage my ego? Or am I trying to achieve the thing to prove to myself that actually I'm on the right path to doing stuff? I am becoming the sort of person who can do this stuff, which is exactly where we want to be. Questions for you, team. And I want you to write these down. So next up, we need to, if you can hear the revving engine in the background, I really apologize. I have some guy and I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow his car up one day because it's just stupid, but it's really annoying and it's loud in the background. So I'm sorry if you can hear it. Next up is the right intention. Now, this was a really interesting one because this, I think, will apply to a lot of people here. What is your intention around life in general? But I've broken it down into the four areas of the adventure coach. Because when we can understand what our intention is around these things, we can start to ask ourselves some certain questions. And this is a very, very important place to be. So let's start off with health, uh, with fitness and development. What is the intention here? What are the methodologies you're using and why? And I want you to think, because you're, you're, you're kind of outsourcing the methodologies of training and stuff and programming to us, right? So I want you to think back to before you had structured coaching. What are the methodologies that you've used before? Why have you used them? And by methodologies, I mean, okay, have we decided to just go long and slow cardio all the time? Have we done lots of HIIT training? Have we done like um, gym classes? Have we just kind of gone into the gym and bimbled through some strongman training or some powerlifting? Have we just been hiking everywhere? Like what are the methodologies you you've, have you been using? And why have you been using them? What is the intent there? Was there any intent at all? Or was it a case of don't really know what I'm doing, download program, go? Because then that leads onto the question of, well, what was the design outcome here? Maybe it was to just get jacked. Maybe it was to lose weight and you thought actually fat loss exercises. Or maybe it was to get hill fit and you thought all I need to do is hills. Maybe it was to do with, you know, just generally getting better so you look better on the beach, you know, whatever it is. But you need to understand what your intention is for around the methodologies so that you understand what your desired outcome is. And now coming into a coaching situation, do you understand the coach's perspective? Have, have we explained that good enough to you so that you understand our intent around your training and your development? The more we can understand this and the more we can get in line with the intention of training, the more you invest yourself in the process. You don't just turn up and do as you're told and go home again. You're not learning anything there. I want people to question why. I want the WhatsApp tomorrow to be full of questions going like, Claire, why have I got this training? Ben, why have I got this training? It's not annoying. It's showing that you give a damn about what it is that you're doing. It shows that you're interested in your progression. And also, it's showing to us that you're gaining the skills, you're gaining the tools, and you're gaining the knowledge so that you can go off and do this yourself. Understanding why we are doing fast finish runs or why we are doing Bulgarian split squats or why we are doing, you know, stretching and mobility 
is helping you in the future when your coaching journey is over, because everybody's coaching journeys will be over at some point. You're giving yourself sharpened tools to then work with so you can go and do it again because you don't need a coach forever. You don't need a personal trainer forever. You don't need guidance forever. You need to be able to build the skill set. And then here's a question for you that I want everybody to really think about. With every training session that you go in, are you acting with intention for each session? Is there intent behind each session? Or is it a case of, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to do these as hard and fast as I can, and then I'm going to stop. Or I'm going to just do this run and, you know, it's a run. You know, I'll give you some intervals, they're intervals. Like, what's the intent? Well, is the intent to turn up and go seven out of seven pace? Let's absolutely batter myself. Is the intent to go, right, I need to keep the heart rate down. Uh, I need to go long and slow. This is a zone two run. That's my intent. I'm trying to get to this distance over this time, but I'm going to go super steady and keep my heart rate at this pit. My intention for this strength training session is to go uh, low and slow on squats and split squats and stuff so that I am um, ensuring that I'm building the maximum amount of strength in the muscles, for example. Is the intent to go hell for leather in a circuit session because I need to be spiking heart rate and just generally working hard because I'm trying to build work capacity? The more you understand this, maybe not to that depth, but the more you understand the intention behind your own training, the more autonomous this journey can be for you. And autonomy leads to empowerment. And I want every single person here to feel empowered enough to be able to make their own training programs eventually and crack on and do their own thing. And that leads on to health and nutrition as well. What's the intention here? Like I said in the nutrition talk last week, you're going to fit into one of three camps, right? Weight loss, performance, or generally healthy living within a weight maintaining state. So what's your intention here? Is your intention to lose weight? Good, focus on that. Is your intention to become an absolute savage? So we need to look at um, sports performance. Good, focus on that. Is your intention to dial in your healthier eating so that it can support everything else in your lifestyle? Great, focus on that. And then understand, well, what's the perspective that we're coming at from here? Because you might think, well, maybe I need to go vegan because my intention is to be healthier. Well, what's the perspective I'm coming at from that? Well, you know, maybe I've learned this from somebody who really pushes the plant-based diet online and, you know, maybe gets into all these arguments and stuff online. So there's clearly going to be a big bias there. Am I buying into that bias potentially? And understanding what that perspective is. Questioning everything is an incredibly important thing. Don't just look at calories and go, right, I'm going to track that and crack on. Like, question why? Why those figures? What are we trying to do here? How accurate is it? The more you can question this, the more you're going to learn. And I love getting questions, by the way. So please do question me all the time. I love it because it shows that you're interested and it shows that you're invested in what you're doing. So understanding your intention around health and nutrition is very, very important because we need to understand, going back to the right understanding, what it is that you actually desire, what, what it is that you're trying to achieve. Now, the intention between mental resilience is an, is an interesting one because, again, what methodologies are you using? If we're trying to build mental resilience and we're doing cold showers, amazing. If we're trying to do that through hard training, amazing. If we're trying to do that through intermittent fasting, amazing. If we're trying to do that through um, meditation, amazing. If we're trying to do that through learning new skills like uh, martial arts, for example, or whatever, amazing. We're building mental resilience through certain methodologies, but understanding what you're using and understanding why. Don't just be a passenger to all these things. Understand why that you are doing that. And then, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Because when you understand why you are doing 
cold showers for mental resilience, then we can start to see, well, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? You know, if, you, if you're, for example, doing two minute cold showers every single morning, well, have we explained why you're doing that? Well, if you haven't understood why you're doing that by doing it, then you need to do it more so you can experience it. You go a cold shower, you'll have an argument with yourself and debate how much you don't want to go into that cold water. You'll do it anyway because you're committed to it and you were keeping you accountable and you're going to get under the water. It's going to be freezing cold. Your brain's going to freeze. It's going to feel horrible. It's going to be the longest two minutes of your entire life. You'll get out and you'll feel buzzing, absolutely buzzing, and you'll have a fantastic day. That's why we're building the mental resilience so that that period of time that you are arguing yourself to question whether you want to get under the cold water or not, that time is compressing and decreasing until the point where it's like, right, showers on cold, straight under, crack on, two minutes later, out, dry, let's crack on with the day. We are building mental resilience. And then what is it that we are trying to improve upon? So as much as this is very similar to the previous question of what is it you're trying to achieve? Well, where are you at so far? You're not going to be a completely non-resilient mental state. There's always going to be something there, no matter how small your comfort zone is. So we need to understand, well, what are our strengths thus far? What is it that we're trying to build upon? What is it that we need to improve upon? What are the foundations that we have laid in ourselves so far? Actually, do you know what? I'm really proud of myself because I managed to deal with that difficult conversation or that difficult interview at work or, you know, I've handled kids. Uh, they're going to be a mental resilience test. I've handled the kids well in this situation or the dog well in this situation or whatever it is. If you've got a new puppy and it's keeping you up all night, you know, or you've dealt with traffic in a different way because you get really annoyed that somebody cut you up and you thought, you know what? I'm just going to chill and I'm going to put some music on and I'm going to crack on. You are building mental resilience by doing all of this. So when we start to understand where we improve upon, that's making us understand, well, this is how far I've come so far. And, and, and that's an amazing thing. And then we can look at the intention behind our adventure skill set. Now, this is a little bit more straightforward. When we're looking at the intention behind our adventure skill set, we're essentially going, well, what do I need to learn? Because if I'm trying to do alpine mountaineering, well, clearly I'm going to need to learn alpine mountaineering skills. So that is my intent. Does each training session come with intent to perform, grow and progress? Number one question. Am I doing this for a reason? And it's the same question as the Atlantic rowing team would ask themselves. Does it make the boat go faster? If the answer is no, they don't do it. If the answer is yes, they do do it. So putting some intention behind the development of your skills, because it's still an investment in your time. It's still an investment in yourself. But putting intention behind it means that we are always going in the right direction. And with every one of the four pillars of the adventure coach, if you hone every single one of those in so you have the right intention, you're going to be going on a one-way street towards the best version of yourselves. But if we are just kind of like shotgunning our way through and trying this and then trying that and then not kind of getting anywhere with no intention, then as Arnold Schwarzenegger says, you're like a, you're like a pilot flying around in a plane but has no navigation, doesn't know where to go. There's no intention. So you're just kind of flying around, right? So we need to make sure that we dial in the intention behind these four between these sorry behind these four pillars of adventure coaching because that's going to help put you on the right direction and these are all things for you that I invite you to think about tonight into tomorrow and then if you've got things that you want to feedback jump onto hypersport and tell us what are the areas that you're thinking about like where are you lacking understanding where do you feel your intention is a little bit skewed where can we change these things my coach. That's how I'm going to help you. 
but this is where we need to do the work and kind of do the deep stuff and understand where it is that we need to go. The right speech. Well, the right speech is communication. And we need to break this down to three areas. How you communicate with yourself, how you communicate with others, and how you communicate with the world. And first and foremost, we start with ourselves. What is your internal monologue? What are the thoughts and feelings that occur within your mind? Because if you think of yourself as fat, lazy, and overweight, then guess what? That's all you're going to see. If you think of yourself as someone who needs improvement, and actually you are building your way towards it, and you're doing the thing that's necessary, then guess what? You're going to see that. You're going to have more of a growth mindset. If you see yourself as, I am depressed, this is all going wrong. I'm not saying depression is not real, by the way. But I'm saying that if that's your immediate response, then guess what? You're going to put yourself into a worse and worse state because that's all you're going to see. And then you're going to have confirmation bias, which is finding uh, evidence that's going to back up your claims, your bias that you are in this particular state. Now put a positive spin on that and say, look, I'm trying really, really hard. I'm invested in this and I'm doing everything that my coach says or I'm doing everything that I think is right and I'm pushing myself forward and I'm sticking to my routine. If it's difficult, I'm turning up anyway. If it's a crap session, I'm still doing it. It's still logging. I'm still progressing forward. Then all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing yourself in an unbelievably positive light. And the more you can do that, the more not only is it going to help you progress forward yourself, but it's going to knock into number two, which is how you communicate with others. Intentional spelling mistake. Be mindful, not of how you communicate with uh, communicate to others, but how they interpret your communication. And that is a real key thing that I invite you to reread without focusing on the extra F in that sentence. Be mindful, not of how to communicate to others, but how they interpret your communication. Because this changes us communicating like for example, we are in the right position and we are communicating that rightness to the other person, but rather understanding, well, how does that person see it? Does that person see it as me just generally coming across a bit too strong, maybe like a bit of a dick, and I'm not getting that message across right? There's something I've struggled with a lot. You know, I'm a very blunt and direct kind of person, and I am mindful of how I communicate to others. And I've had to really start pushing myself to be mindful of how others interpret my communication and then altering that slightly. Because the more you alter that, the more you alter how you communicate to those people, it becomes a positive feedback loop and you improve your overall communication. The better you are with yourself, the better you are with others, then all of a sudden you're going to start seeing the world in a more positive light. And this is one of the underlying principles of, uh, basically one of the underlying principles of Buddhism, which is the world you will, the world you think is the world you will see. I've forgotten the words exactly, but... How you think about the world is exactly what you're going to see about the world. If all you think of is there is conflict, there is um, there is negativity everywhere, there is toxicity everywhere, there are people who are always out to get you, there are always there's always negativity in the world, then you're going to be honing in your reticular activator, which is a part of your brain that is honed into certain things that it wants to see. You're going to be honing that in to then just focusing on the negative stuff. I'm not saying we have to have toxic positivity here, folks, but I'm saying that, well, if we look at the news and that sets us up for the day full of negativity and just general rubbish that comes out of the BBC, then guess what? That's going to set up our worldview. If we cut that out and we don't look at the news anymore, then all of a sudden we're going to start seeing the world in a slightly different light. We're going to start getting our 
stimulus about the world from other places, be that maybe socials, be that maybe other people, be that maybe books. You're going to start honing in uh, the amount of the world that you want to see. You, know, you log on to social media, you can see the entire world in 60 seconds. If you log on to the news, you're going to get all the negativity in the world because that seems to be all the news uh, promotes at the moment in five minutes. Whereas if you're guarded more on the amount of stimulus that's coming into you and, and, and how much you see the world and what your communication channels are that allow you to get more of a worldview, the more you are critical of that, the different you're going to see the world, the more positively you can see the world. So how the world that you think is the world that you see, the world you interpret, the world you are conditioned to, the world that is fed to you through whatever media channels or means, that's the world you're going to see. And you can challenge this by thinking, right, all I'm going to do is watch like global positive news, right? Instagram, global positive news or positivity daily or uh, what's that one that's on the tube? It's like whiteboard underground or whatever. And all you do is like read that and you see that and that is your stimulus for the world. And you do that for 10 days or however long, not a scientific period of time, but you do that solely for 10 days. You're going to start to see the world in a much more positive light. You're going to start seeing all of these weird and wonderful things that are just going to bring a bit more joy to your world and kind of bring a bit more positivity to it. And it's guarding the fact that actually, do you need to know that the submarine went missing? I'm not saying you don't need to care about it. I'm saying that if you were really taken aback from it, if you were struggling to get your mind around it, was that taking up bandwidth that it shouldn't have done in your brain at a time where it made you struggle with other things in your life? Because if we now start to focus in on that negative side, that's the world you're going to see. So the right speech comes in forms, three forms, how you communicate to yourself, how you communicate to others, and how you communicate with the world. Three things to really, really dive into, team. Now I've started bunching a couple of these together because there are some really deep things that we can go into, but I wanted to leave you with some key areas, some key thoughts from each of these areas. The right action. Now, this was a fantastic quote from Master Shohan Yi, which is the um, Shaolin Grandmaster, who is now my mentor. And remember that you are special, but also that you are not. Acting with nobility on your path to your best self must be in an ethical, compassionate way that is not to the detriment of others. Taking the right action, knowing the right thing to do. We can look at this from our health and fitness, of course. The right foods to eat, the right actions to take the right decisions to make around our training, for example, the right actions around our routine and habits. And we can also look at this from our worldview, the right actions to take with people, the right actions to take in different situations and circumstances. Acting with nobility on your path to your best self is the definition of taking the right actions. But of course, they must be ethical. Of course, they must be compassionate to others. And of course, they must not be to the detriment of others, of course. But it's remembering that we are special people. We do have something special inside of us, but also understanding that we are not. When we say that we are understanding that we are not special, it's kind of taking it. It's not to take it too far, that we are not special above other people. And I hope that makes sense. It's taking the right action. And I want you to just think about 
how am I acting on this path that I'm on, on this coaching journey that I'm on? Well, forget the running programs and the strength training and the push-ups. Like, how am I acting? What are the right actions that, or the actions that I'm taking along this journey? Am I taking the right actions? Am I being ethical, compassionate, or am I being a detriment to others? The more we can align ourselves to the right actions and the right path, the more we can live with nobility, but also the more we can improve our overall life. This is where we completely transcend training programs and diet plans, team, because it's not all about that. That's the easy stuff to change. This is where we take a deep look inside and go, well, am I, am I following the right actions? Am I acting right on this path that I'm trying to follow, on this development that I'm trying to do? And the right livelihood, I think, kind of went hand in hand with this because we need to, in, the, in my worldview, we need to live for our work, not working to live. Here's the difference. So the latter first, working to live, working five days a week so you can go away at the weekend and just kind of drink all weekend and then you kind of party and you do some stuff that you want to do and then you crack on Monday morning and accept that the five out of seven days they just happen so that you can kind of have those two days off at the weekend. That's working to live. You living for your work, whether you like your job or not, team, you living for your work is pouring some passion, some effort, some self-discipline because you know you have to, because it's the right action to use the point above, into your work, whether you like it or not, is allowing you to make the most of that situation. Now, let's take it from the best possible situation. You live for the work you do. I live for the work I do. I love what I do. Yes, it's stressful at times. Yes, it's frustrating at times. You know, yes, it really challenges me to the core. But I love what I do. So I live for my work. I live to be able to do what it is that I'm doing. I don't do what I'm doing so that I can escape at the weekend and then think, oh, God, I've got Monday coming and I've got to do it all over again. We can't always quit our jobs and sail off to the dream boat of aspiration. Sometimes we need to take a look at ourselves right now. We need to understand where we are in the here and now. And quite frankly, team, have the discipline to show up and deliver, no matter how you feel about it. Like your job, loathe your job, turn up and get the job done anyway, because it's still paying you. It's still facilitating things. But the more you can pour passion into it, the more you're going to get from it. And the more, God forbid, you might actually start enjoying it. It's like uh, David Goggins has a um, theory about this. And it's kind of, he says, um, it's his theory of taking souls. And it's like, if you've got someone at work and, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in competition for the next promotion or, or maybe your boss is kind of getting on you a little bit and you just can't bear them anymore, then instead, instead of going down this pit of negativity and just hating on them and then gossiping and kind of turning yourself into a generally toxic person, you're then going at that going, right, I'm going to work so hard that this person has to give me the credit that I deserve, that has to give me the raise, the promotion, the, the bonus, whatever it is. I'm going to outwork the people above me to show that I'm here and this is what I do. And it changes something. It changes you taking the right action so that you're getting more out of it. Yeah, you might be more tired, but you'll adapt to that. Yes, it might take more time, but you'll adapt to that. And it allows you to live more for your work rather than just working for you, uh, working um, to live, right? There is no 
shortcut to doing things. If you want to quit your job, then fantastic. You know, you're going to be looking for the next option. I'm not saying you have to stay in the same job forever. Look for the next option. But in the time that you're looking for the next option, don't do what literally every single person in the world does and just switch off thinking, oh, it's going to be over. You know, I want to get this new job. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Because you don't know what else is around the corner. You don't know where that... Um, where that path is going to take you. And like I said there, you know, it's the path that leads to the key, which will lead to the door. But in order to get to the door, you've got to take the path to get the key. There's no shortcut to get there. You have to go through these things. And it's living a little bit more, living a little bit more for what it is that you do. Next, again, very similarly to the above, was looking at the right effort. And this, I think I want to succinctly put into our journeys through health and fitness and personal development, and quite frankly, boil it down to do what you said you were going to do. Only you will know that you are putting enough effort to really bring about the results from your training, from your development, from your diet, from whatever it is that you're doing. Wherever you are accepting challenge and pushing yourself forward, only you know if you're putting in enough effort or not. I can ask you, but I'm not in your head. You could lie to me if you wanted to, and I'd probably believe it because, you know, you're going to go with whatever answer you're given. But you're only cheating yourself in that sense. The right effort. Do what you said you were going to do. And this will transcend health and fitness as well. Do it at work. Do it with your relationships. Do it with your kids at home, with the dog, with everything else. Do what you said you were going to do. Did you say you were going to take the dog out at 7 p.m.? Right, get it done. Did you say you were going to take the kids to Disneyland? Did you say you were going to turn up at work and get that job done? Were you going to go back to the right livelihood, to the right action, and say, right, I'm going to do this now? The right effort, do what you said you were going to do. And the right mindfulness, which is then, after we're going for all this thrusting stuff of effort and attitude and discipline and hard work, the right mindfulness because we can lose ourselves in our work. We can lose ourselves in these things that we're trying to do. We can lose ourselves in our fitness and our pushing and our discipline and our hard work and putting some thrash metal on and just grinding out some squats. But is that is that escaping us spending our time in our own mind? Are we procrastinating on that? Why are we doing that? Why not just spend time in your own mind? Let me tell you this right now. I experienced the very same thing. That's hard. It's hard to spend time in your own mind. It's hard to spend time on your own. It really is. Your mind can be a horrible place to be sometimes. I know that. And mindfulness doesn't necessarily need to just be meditation. It can be. But meditation can come in different forms. Meditation can be sat on the floor going through deep breathing and stuff and just allowing thoughts to come and go in your head. But it can also be going out for a long, slow, easy run with no distractions, put a bit of classical music on and sit down and just relax in a comfortable position with no phone and no other stimulus. Going outside for a, you know, a mindful walk with a dog or alone, where you are not necessarily burdened with physical stimulus, but rather that you are allowing your mind to just wander. You can go to some ugly places in your head. I know that. You can go to some great places in your head. I know that too. You can undo tasks that you've been sat on. You can understand why you are stressed about certain things. You can unpick things in your relationships around you that have been playing on your mind. You can start to question why you've been feeling that way about certain things or certain people. 
Mindfulness is not just meditation. Mindfulness is being open to being questioned. That's the same as jumping into WhatsApp hyper support and saying, look, I'm really struggling with this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to question you on that. They're like, right, that's really, really interesting. Tell me about that. And if you're open enough to say, look, well, actually, this is what I'm thinking. And this happened and that happened. You're like, okay, how did you react to that? Well, I reacted in this way and I did that and I did this. I'm like, okay, so what do you think is the main challenge here? Well, actually, I think the challenge is, is hmm. well, actually, I think the challenge is this. But to get around that challenge, all I could do is this. And all of a sudden, you've got the solution to that by not being having given anything, but being asked some questions. The right mindfulness is being open to just understanding that you can spend time with yourself. You don't need your phone all the time. You don't need music or Netflix or anything else or books or anything. You don't need stimulus. But if you can take and start with five minutes, if you can take five minutes out of your day to do nothing, zero, no things at all, with no stimulus, with nothing else going along, not thinking about what the kids are doing, not thinking about what's on TV, not thinking about anything else, but just sit and allow your mind to wander you're going to find some fantastic things out about yourself. Not every single time at all. There are times where it'll feel like a waste of time, but you've done it. You've won the war of attrition and consistency. But don't procrastinate on it by fainting, fainting this, this mindful time as being, you know, spending time with others as, as bringing out their true self. You know, we can understand who our true selves are only by spending time alone. The version of you that is in front of other people is not necessarily your true self. I realize there's a couple of spelling mistakes in that last sentence. You'll have to forgive those. And then finally of the eight, the right concentration. And we've got a fancy moving picture here to go with that right concentration. Because I feel like the concentration for us, for those who are developing, for those who are, who are progressing physically, this fits into three camps. You're setting goals. Meditation, like I've just spoke to about, I spoke about before, and competition, competition or challenge, I want to add in there. You know, you're setting goals, you're concentrating on developing a strong and resilient mindset by setting goals and working your way towards achieving them. When we concentrate on what those goals are, we are giving ourselves the right time, the right frame of mind, the right understanding and circumstances within ourselves to be able to achieve those goals without too much attachment going back to the right understanding at the beginning meditation like i said before reducing stress that meditation can come in many forms if you can sit and be at peace and quiet in your own head i struggle with that personally which is what i'm going to be learning through this mentorship as well or you can go out for a long walk you can go out for a long run you can just go and relax go and just sit and do nothing in a room on a sofa where it's comfortable whatever but it's going to be leading to your Yes, physical health benefits, but it's also just going to be helping you declutter your mind. And then competition. You know, it's understanding that you need to have challenge in your life. There needs to be some form of competition or physical challenge that allows you an outlet to prove that you are developing as a person. And as human beings, we are naturally designed to compete with other human beings not to massage the ego, but to monitor and mark our progression. That's where races come in. We've got loads of people here going to the UTS um, 25, uh, Ultra Trail Snowdonia next May. If we can get more, get more. That'd be amazing to have everyone there. It'd be awesome. You know, all you're doing is showing that you can turn up and do something hard. 
and give it the right concentration. So bring out your very best self through self-awareness. You know, it's being true to yourself, taking responsibility and practicing gratitude. You know, being true to yourself is not an airy-fairy statement. Being true to yourself is generally understanding, am I doing the right thing for me? Don't get swept along with your job. Don't get swept along with friends. Don't get swept along with expectation of other people. Be true to who you are. And that is going to take a lot of understanding to get to if you don't know who that is in the first place. It took me a solid two years to figure out who that was when I left the army because I didn't really know what I was doing. And it took me a long time to figure that out. That's not spending every single day meditating on it. That is me just kind of going through the flow and doing some stuff and then understanding who it is that I actually am and then what working out what my values are, what my strengths are, what my limitations were, and then leaning into them, taking responsibility, being accountable to myself, be accountable to yourselves. Don't just use us as your accountability. Show up, do what you said you were going to do, make mistakes, learn from them, have successes, learn from them and practice gratitude, you know, being thankful for stuff. I used to be so bad at doing this. Just generally bad at ignoring people and just kind of forgetting that they were there and, act and taking a lot of things for granted and not practicing enough gratitude, focusing on the positive things that are going on. Sometimes you can be in a really dark place and those positives, you've got to really scrape the barrel for them. Other times you've got a load of things to be grateful for. But acknowledging that, telling that person, telling the dog, very grateful for my dog, gets me through every day. You know, telling that person can light that person up. Telling the dog gives him some attention. Being mindful of those things outside of people that you're that you are grateful for. You know, the mornings with the sunrises and everything else. It just puts you in a much safer, much calmer mindset. And finally, team, I want to wrap this up by moving forward, congruent with the Noble Eightfold Path. There's a lot of information here. There's a lot of things to work on. There's a lot of questions to work through. But developing the best version of you isn't something that is cliche, isn't something that's overused at all. It's misused. Because, you know, best version of you sounds great on Instagram. But who actually is that? And how are they aligned to this Noble Eightfold Path? This is not turning everyone into Shaolin monks. This is getting people to understand that there is a different um, perspective on the world. I just want to bring them all up. And there needs to be the understanding. There needs to be some intention, some real intention behind what you're doing. Don't just float along. If you have zero intention, you'll have zero results. I promise you that now. Is your intent to just go to the gym because oh, it's the gym and blah, blah, blah. You're not going to go. You're going to trip over something and there's going to be a barrier and you're just not going to do it. The right intention. I do this because I do this. I understand why. My internal speech to myself. My internal speech to myself is positive and productive. I take the right action. I am aligning my livelihood, my job, my effort. I'm being mindful more in the day and throughout my life. And I'm giving things the right concentration. Some of this will go over people's heads. I understand that. If you take nothing else from this, I want you to write down each of those eight. Right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, 
right mindfulness and right concentration. I want you to write every single one of them down now on a piece of paper. And then I want you to ask yourself, what does that mean to me for my coaching journey? If you take nothing else from this, clearly, if you take other things, then fantastic. Tell me about them because I want to know because it'd be amazing. But when it comes to the absolute bare essentials here, write each of those eight down. What does that mean to me and my coaching journey? With all the coaching that I've done so far, do I have the understanding? What is my intention? What has my intention been? How do I talk about myself? You know, how do I communicate with others? What is my view on the world? The right action. Am I actually taking the right action? Am I doing what I said I was going to do? The right livelihood. Am I living for my work? Or am I working to live? The right effort. Am I putting in the effort? Am I doing the thing? The right mindfulness. Do I spend any time in my own uh, in my own mind at all? If you don't, five minutes a day. Start now. After this call, sit and do nothing for five hours. At uh, five hours, lol. Five minutes. Set a timer so you don't have to think about the passage of time, and then throw your phone over the other side of the room so it doesn't distract you. Sit. Close your eyes if you want to close your eyes. Five minutes. And let's see, just see what your brain does. Be patient and win the war of attrition with this because it doesn't come like this. And the right concentration. Are you doing this coaching journey or are you paying it lip service? Are you concentrating on what it is that you need to do? Because if not, there's something that needs to change there. So team, the noble eightfold path, I hope you have enjoyed that. I'm going to stop sharing my screen now so I can look at myself again. I hope you've enjoyed that. There's a lot of information there. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But it's something that I find extremely useful and extremely, yeah, useful in terms of giving yourself a new perspective on a lot of things in life. If there's anything, if there's something I want to leave every single person here with from this overall coaching journey, whenever you are done, whenever you leave, whatever, it's that this is not just a training program and a diet plan. This is a real change in your overall mindset. This is a change in how you think about things. This is a change in you as a person. If you're just here for training programs, then we need to have quite a frank discussion because training programs aren't going to help you. An attitude change, a discipline change, a mindset change. Me challenging you with certain things. Are you doing what you said you were going to do? I will push you hard. That is what coaching is all about. It's understanding how to how for you to become your best possible self. And that doesn't come easy. And quite frankly, <laughs> it very seldom comes in the end anyway. It's a journey that never really ends. I'm, am I living as my best self or is there always things that I can improve? Yes, of course, there's always things I can improve. But technically, you could say that the best version of yourself is someone who accepts that and consistently works on those things. So there's loads of different challenges here, team. And it's about understanding how we do that, how we embrace this challenge and how we can move on. So team, I want to wrap that up there because I promised myself I'd keep this under an hour. At 55 minutes, I think we've done pretty well. But thank you all so much for your attention. If you have questions or if you want things that you want to go through or there's just thoughts, general thoughts that you want to write down and send into WhatsApp, I invite every single one of you to do it. Please do, because I want to know what you get away from this. Like what, you, what are your takeaways? And the more you can put into like hyper support and stuff, the more we can dive into it. If you feel confident enough and you want to share it with people, 
going to communities, put a post and say, look, one, two, three, these are my three main takeaways from that call. Because you're going to inspire other people to do the same. You're going to think, you're going to make other people think, hmm, maybe I should do the same. What were my key takeaways? This is how a community grows. This is how we all grow together. And with the Scotland retreat coming up on the 17th uh, or the 18th rather of August, these are things we're going to dive into. These are the things we're going to talk. We're going to actually light a fire. We're going to actually have fireside chat. And we're going to go into these things because it's flipping phenomenal. And then we're going to chill and drink some whiskey and chill out and kind of switch off a little bit because I can be quite intense when I do these calls. But team, I really appreciate you all being here. So thank you so much. And I will catch you all in the next call. I hope you enjoyed that. Peace.